0: The views and opinions expressed on this program do not necessarily reflect that of the staff and management of Good Karma brands, but are the sole responsibility of the hosts and guests of this particular
1: show. America may have many, many days, but they will be full of trouble. There will be no rest, there will be no tranquility in this country, until a nation comes to terms with our problem.
2: Bringing you social and political commentary from his mouth to your ears. Breaking down the issues which matter to you. You're not put here! To be a white man's footstool, you're put here to represent the very best in God's world.
0: Legendary civil rights icon, the Reverend Jesse Jackson in the studio. Reverend Jackson, how are you? Mr. Chairman, good morning on this
2: chilly Milwaukee morning.
0: And I am pleased to have one of the founding members of the Black Panther Party, Chairman Bobby Seale. Mr. Chairman, how are you this morning?
2: Good morning.
1: I'm doing just fine. Thank you.
0: From Mr. Eric Holder. Mr. Holder, so good to see you.
2: How are you? Well, I'm fine, man. How you been? It's been a long time. Haven't seen you for a while.
0: The Dr. Cornell West. Dr. West, how are you, sir? My dear brother, you're so kind, you're so generous. Remember, I
1: salute you and the work that you were doing there. Doing a magnificent job there in Wisconsin.
0: Stream live on 1017thetruth.com. Call in with your questions or comments. 833- 212-1017. Join us on social media at 1017thetruth. It may not be what you expect to hear, but I
2: will definitely give you what you need to know. Are you ready for the truth? I want Truth, You can't handle the truth now live from the American family insurance studio at the Avenue in the heart of downtown Milwaukee. Here is Sherwin Hughes.
0: Good morning. Welcome to the program. Today is Friday, December 23rd, 2024 on different days. And in different segments, I attempt to analyze problems and plagues specifically of the African-American community, because I think that we are the most concerned about us and our progress. And sometimes it sounds very critical because I think that black folks in this country have always had a vision of what we want our futures to be. So we've always Oh, we've, all, we've always kept that vision. And depending upon how far back you go, the vision was very easy to see. In fact, it was plain as day for everyone to see. It was freedom. It was liberty. It was the ability to participate in the democracy and the political system, to own some property, etc. Just to be human beings and to be respected as such. Like That was the focus. And then as we move closer toward that, and we worked very hard, and of course, we've had help. We've had a lot of assistance from people that also saw what our goals were and our goals are not outrageous is basically having what everybody else has. And as we continue to achieve, because we would still agree that there's still some progress that needs to be made. But I think the goal and how we get there is a little bit less clear where when we had next to nothing because the law said we can't have anything. Hell, we couldn't even read. But now as we've acquired and we've obtained and we've accomplished and we've created, we've invented, you got to think about this, put it in a numerical context. We're only 13% of the American population, but man, do we occupy a lot of time and space for that 13%, right? Typically 13% of something is a fact you can kind of ignore, right? If somebody says, Hey, sure. When there's a 13% chance that you're going to have a bad day. And I'd say, wait a minute. So there's an 87% chance I'm going to have a good day. I like those odds. So we are a relatively small share, but our impact is tremendous. And I think people still know what plagues us, where we still lag behind because we're all obsessed with the disparities and all these statistics. And I talk about them just so it's abundantly clear. I'm also mindful of the fact that we all need the same information Because if people get their information from other places, they may misconstrue the facts a little bit. So I may talk about the disparities just so you know, just so we all are aware of the same facts. But the harder part is how do we resolve them? How do we eliminate them? How do we achieve whatever this this fleeting goal of equity actually is? A couple of days ago, I think I talked about what is equality and who do we want to be equal to? And then we looked at, well, who do we always compare ourselves to? Who are we always lagging behind? And it's the Caucasian folks. like That's the standard. But then I asked the other question, do we want to be equal with them considering what they had to do to get ahead? They had to create a system. They had to create laws. You know what's crazy about those laws? There's an unintended consequence of those laws that they created to keep us back. It also hurt women of all races. So do we want to have to maintain a system where only certain people get the advantages? Because if we want to be equal to them, that is exactly the system that we would have to create and maintain. And it just seems like it's too much work. Any system of oppression is always more work than it's worth. And so when we look at equality and try and figure it out, well, maybe we don't want to be equal to those folks because of all of the maintenance. There's terror involved, too. You got to terrorize people. You got to scare people. You got to threaten people. You got to withhold opportunity. You got to withhold resources from people in order for your group to be on top. And if we want to be equal with them, we'd have to do all of that stuff. And we don't want to do all of that. When I look back on the great progress that we have made as black people, I am in awe because we did so in a very hostile environment. We've accomplished a lot. Now we still have further to go. And I think we all realize that. But as we still have this prize of fairness, of just being able to make our own decisions and not being hampered by the color of our skin or the country in which we are from, to be able to live your best life and have the best of everything for yourself and for your children, the best health care, the best education, the best jobs, the best benefits, all of those things. None of those things in America should be hindered by the color of your skin. I think we agree on that. So there's still a lot of fighting and a lot of arguing and disagreeing that we're going to do as we continue to make progress. But as the goal becomes a little fuzzier, because we can vote now. We can read now. They can't stop us from moving to other places and buying houses over here and renting houses over there. They can't do all that stuff anymore. So some time ago when we couldn't do all that stuff, well, clearly that's what the goal was. The goal was clear and identifiable. Right. But now we have all those things, but there still are goals we have yet to accomplish. And as we still are moving toward a better society for us and quite honestly, for all people, when we do things that go counter and contrary to our progress, that's when some of us get very angry because we do know better. We do. And we just do silly things and things that set us back and move us backwards. And I think that is where a lot of the, the complaints are Like we still have a long way to go, but then why are we dealing with some of the issues In the black community, especially pertaining to the black youth. And maybe that is our fault because we haven't done a good enough job of engaging them that we still have goals to accomplish. And by acting recklessly, whether it's your general behavior or your driving, you're getting in the way of us accomplishing goals that we still need to reach. If I was to lay out for you. The things right now in the year 2024 that are still plaguing. The African-American community where we are still hindered, where our progress is lacking. So where we need to focus our effort and our attention, and it can't be just us. And I know that that's a tough pill to swallow sometimes because black folks want to accomplish all of the things for black people. We need some help. We need some assistance. Now, here's the thing. I don't know how to get it. I don't know how to get the assistance. I don't know how we lobby for other people to come and join our fight. I don't know if we if we just if we look sad, if we just look pitiful and maybe sympathy, maybe sympathy gets people to join our fight. I am not very good at that part of getting coalitions of other people to help us. And I realize why I'm not good at that part of getting coalitions of people to help us accomplish our goals and eliminate some of the disparities that to this day plague the African-American community. Because our goals a lot of times are their goals, too. So instead of us thinking that we need to enlist those people so we can support our goals, we got to help them support their goals, too. And this is where things break down. Y'all don't like illegal immigrants for some reason, but those might very well be the people that we need. You ain't got to go to dinner with them. You ain't got to invite them over to your house. You ain't got to do none of that. But politically and socially, our interests are intertwined. I tried to make that case many times before. These are folks from points south that are trying to come north for a better life. Rewind time about 160 years. And wasn't that us? Didn't we take the same path? They're following the same North Star that we did as black folks escaping the tyranny and the terror of the Jim Crow South. It's the reason why I'm in the North right now. It's the reason why a lot of y'all are listening to me right now in the North. We took the same general direction. We wanted to move from the South to the North for the hope of a better life. But when we got to the North, what did we find? More racism, more discrimination, more terror, right? So we have similarities with those folks. You also have to wonder why there's such an effort, and it's a political effort, to close the border. They even want to electrify the border wall. I even read something where they want to put moats with alligators in it so people that try to cross the Rio Grande get eaten. You got to wonder why we're putting so much effort into that. You also have to wonder why black folks are so afraid of it. When this country is real adamant about something, we're really focused on it, you got to wonder why that is. This nation does not want coalitions of people who have the same need and desire for progress and accomplishment. Because if you look at their lives, the lives of a migrant, and if you look at a poor working class black family, ain't much difference. Maybe the language, maybe that that's it. I want the exact same things. Where we maybe have fallen short in accomplishing our goals, when I say accomplishing our goals, reducing the disparities, making America much more fair, even and equitable, getting to a place where the country in which you're from or the color of your skin does not hinder your progress nor your life chances. Like no one should have a diminished life because of what you look like. And we got to agree on that. If we can't agree on that, then we don't need to have a democracy anymore. We have to enlist larger groups of people. And so here's what black folks bring to the table of creating a much more fair and just nation. If not world, we have experience in creating successful social movements. Now they're not easy and they take a lot of time and you're going to lose some people to either federal investigation in prison or assassination, but that's just a part of it. But we know that if you look at all the other groups that have organized to obtain rights for themselves, the blueprint was essentially ours. Now there have been other social movements across the world. Gandhi had a real nice one. He did. He did a hunger strike. We we can't do hunger strikes. We ain't gonna do that now, ain't uh. Oh sure, when we're gonna do a protest for fairness and equality and justice? Okay, I'm all ears. How do you guys plan on doing that? We're not gonna eat for two months. I'm like ooh ah yikes! I can't. I'm late for lunch. I can't do a hunger strike. That's not, I need my nutrition so I can keep up the fight. takes a lot of energy to raise that black fist in the air, doesn't it? So we have created a blueprint for other groups and we get mad at other groups when they use our blueprint to get some rights. We don't like the gays either. We can't stand them mad at the gays because the gays got some rights. Who are we mad at for that? Who's the president responsible for allowing the gays to be people? President Obama, he was first Obama didn't like the gays. Then Joe Biden as vice president, which was very unusual. Do you all remember that? I knew the political winds were shifting in this country somewhere around 2012. It might have been during the reelection campaign of 2012. Joe Biden came out by himself. Well, he didn't come out of like, the closet. Or did he? But Joe Biden professed his support. For, it used to be civil unions. Then Joe Biden said he was in support of gay marriage. That was political calculus. If Joe Biden, the white fellow, who's the vice president, and you got to keep in mind, Joe Biden didn't really say a whole bunch. He never overshadowed Barack Obama, except on the issue of gay marriage. Joe Biden gives a statement or a press conference. and It was like cover. He's like, oh, I'm in favor of gays getting married. Then it goes to the Supreme Court and then the gays are married. Now, the, uh, Now I bet some of the gays are regretting getting married because they're probably getting divorced. They realized that marriage thing wasn't all it was cracked up to be all that protesting and fighting and marching. They did for the right to marry. Now they want the right to divorce. However, I digress. So then after Joe Biden announces his support, it's like in 2012, announces his support for gay marriage. Then Obama comes out. It's like the white guy had to go first. Take the beatings, take the ridicule, take the bigotry then obama came out in favor of it because when obama was running in 2008 while the issue of gay marriage was looming large in fact we had a referendum on our ballot here in wisconsin in 2006 asking if y'all wanted to legalize gay marriage in this state and y'all unequivocally said absolutely not marriage is only between one man and one woman i remember that like it is yesterday so the the issue was looming biden comes out says he's in favor of gay marriage and Obama does the same thing. And then we got angry that LGBTQ groups and organizations are moving and making political progress. And we maybe were mad because they used the blueprint that was created by us. Like, here's the thing in this country, when you have a society, you can't have the monopoly on social progress. You create a blueprint for other people to follow so you can build your coalition. So what I want to do, is I want to build broader coalitions because there's a lot of people in this city, in this state, in this nation that are suffering. I don't know who we think we are that, like, our suffering outpaces theirs. We are all in the same thing. We're all in the same boat. Even those of you that have, that are doing okay, it's just a matter of time before it's taken. If a woman can lose the right to choose, and if they can start playing around with constitutional amendments, whatever you believe you have right now can be gone tomorrow. So, we're going to move together in unison now, aren't we? I'm going to take a break. When I come back, I want to talk about what we believe the biggest, what are the biggest plagues? What are the biggest obstacles, the biggest roadblocks right now facing African-Americans? Now, it might be a complicated subject, but what do you think they are? I have an idea of what they are. So, we'll talk about them. We'll discuss them, and we'll figure out how we can move forward collectively. You are listening to The Truth with Sherwin Hughes on 1017 FM. I'll be right back.
2: Don't touch that dial. The Truth with Sherwin Hughes will be right back on 1017 The Truth, The Truth App, and 1017 TheTruth.com. You are listening to The Truth with Sherwin Hughes on 1017 The Truth, The Truth App, and 1017TheTruth.com.
0: Welcome back. Our phone number, if you're so inclined and a bunch of you are, is 833-212-1017, 212 1017 So I think some of the biggest things that currently are playing in the African-American community in this city, and there's some similarities, right? So you, you have to think that there has to be a commonality that still exists in this country if, if, if Milwaukee has poor black people and there's high crime and bad schools and then Chicago has it and Detroit has it and New York has it and LA has it and Orlando, Florida has it and Montgomery has it and Biloxi has it and Corpus Christi has it. Is it just that black people were just bad at life? Is that what it is? Not not Giannis though. Giannis is is he ours? Who's who's who does Giannis belong to? Is he? He's a he's certainly a buck, but is he ours? Like, is he our black person, or what is Giannis?
1: I think he's everybody's black person.
0: No, you can't be everybody. You got to belong to somebody. That sounded real slavey, didn't it? You bit. got to belong to somebody, boy. I want the tall one right here, him. Yeah, that's right. Jump, boy. Oh yeah, this one can jump real good. He can put the cotton way up on the top shelf. He can't be. He needs to be ours. But Giannis, uh, he, no, he marched when they had a George Floyd protest. He was out there front and center. I, that made me feel so proud. I was at that one. Were you, really? Mm-hmm. Oh man, that was something else. The Bucks was just like, we ain't playing. We ain't gonna play. We gonna be out here getting COVID. I bet Pat Connaughton was out there. Pat Connaughton was like, hey, Y'all got room for a white boy? Pat Connison is like the Jack Harlow of the Milwaukee Bucks. I ain't no killer, baby, but I'll choke you in the face. I like that song. I ain't no I ain't no killer, baby, but I'll. And he has a line in that song. She wears leopard print. And that's how bad she wants to be spotted around your boy. I like that. I like Jack Harlow. I like. I mean, I like that song. He had another song a couple of years ago that I can't remember. He had a popular one. So Pat Coniston was out there, and the, somebody else, other Chris Middleton, maybe. But who does? Who does he belong to? He's the our community. Is he? Black folks have a low standard, though. We accept everybody, and that's because we're wonderful people. We, here's the thing: we also know that we need large. Groups of people in large coalitions, because for a long time we were a minority, like minority, not just in number when it comes to being counted and our our participation in the democracy, but minority in that we didn't have a lot of rights. So we needed a bunch of people that did have rights to see our problems and issues as their problems and issues. And it's interesting because it is a relationship that we need to develop with other people and other people need to develop this relationship with the black community. And it's not relationship the way you may be thinking, even though there are some similarities in a romantic relationship. There's a couple of different kinds. There is where you have your needs. Your partner has their needs. You guys just do your stuff separately. The man goes and does his stuff and gets his needs met. The woman goes and does Her stuff and gets her needs met, whatever they are, opportunity, jobs, advancement. And they just kind of kind of are together. Right. They're complete people. He has his thing. She has her thing, but they find some commonality and they just come together. When you have a situation like that, I think it's easy for a wedge to be driven between those two people. But he's fine. He's well adjusted and she's fine and she's well adjusted. She has her thing. He has his thing. She has her friends. He has his friends. He has his job. She has her job. They have their own career path. They just kind of, you know, Oh, it works out. So we're just kind of together. The other kind of relationship, and this is the relationship that I want us to have with the larger society is that my needs are their needs and their needs are mine. We have to internalize other people's needs because we want them to internalize ours. That is the kind of partnership that I want to be in. If my partner has needs and wants, guess what? Those are my needs and wants too. I want her to have all of those things because she wants them. I want them for her, but I want them for me too. Cause that helps her achieve where she wants to go. Same with me. I got needs. I got wants. My partner needs to say, you know what? I'm going to wear those needs and wants too. And I'm going to make those my needs and wants because they're important to you. We don't do that in this country. We stratify. No, we suffered more. No, we suffered more. Well, we were slaves and here. Come the Jews, the Jews are like up oh, Holocaust. Hello. We're like, ah, theirs is more recent, but ours is more sustained. Like the black oppression is just kind of like, sustained we got to stop doing that because while all of this is happening one group is winning but that's the story of america that never gets told and that's why they want to ban all this history because if they tell history in chronological order y'all will figure it out how did wealthy plantation owners get landless penniless white peasants to fight in the civil war on behalf of rich people to protect their property and slavery plantation owners didn't pick up it wasn't a musket what were they using i think they had colt 45s they had rifles rimfire cartridges wealthy plantation owners weren't Fighting in that war, just like rich people don't fight wars. Now, like, when are we going to figure it out that there's a group at the top that's pulling all the strings? And here's what's crazy. When it's convenient and expedient for us, we'll always always the rich people at the top that get all the tax breaks and they have the wonderful lives and they have all the money. Well, exactly. We got to understand that we are all if you're not. Elon Musk, Mark Zuckerberg, Jeff Bezos, rich then you're probably getting screwed over. Like we're all in this together. It doesn't matter what your sexual orientation is. We got to get over that stuff. It doesn't matter what country you're from. It doesn't matter what language you speak. It doesn't matter the texture and the color of your hair or the width of your nose or the width of your hips. None of that matters. We're all in this together. So we need to see the deeds of everybody in this gigantic melting pot coalition. Their needs are our needs and ours are theirs. But we're failing at that. I'm going to tell you how we're failing at that. Look at the Republican nominee. He is literally running a campaign, and I would argue a successful one. And he might be running it from house arrest on capitalizing off of the anxiety that we feel from the divisions that exist amongst people that are all basically in the same boat. It's the craziest thing ever. Take a break, come back. I probably should open up my text messaging app. You should. Why? Something nice
1: in there you should look at.
0: What you mean something nice? Somebody sent a nice text message? That'll be a first.
1: Oh, well, it's, it's something to look at.
0: Yeah, and it was to me?
1: It's yes.
0: Hold on. We ain't going to break yet. I need to see this. I don't believe it. Let me see. I see a couple of I see links to photos. I'm scared.
1: Do the link to the photo.
0: What is it? Oh, I, I don't like that now. I don't. Trust me, it's good. Okay. Select, copy, open up a browser window, and hit. Oh, I'm so scared. Paste, and now enter. That's Bob. It's Bob. A young Bob with Look. two working arms. <laughs> Holding a saxophone. He got a tuxedo. Oh, look at Bob. He looks so good. He sure does. Oh, that is nice. Bob don't look like that no more. He's just the old sad man that gambles. Oh, let me see. And there's another one, too. Let me see this other one. Look at Bob. His daughter sent it. Oh, that's so nice. Oh, I can't. For some reason, it's not letting me click on the second link. Is the second link similar to the first one? Okay. Look at that. Thank you, Bob's daughter. I'd, I'd like to talk to her, actually, to see if the apple falls far from the tree.
1: Oh, she sounds pleasantly nice. It's wonderful. Nice and she was on the phone. And yeah, she was on the phone, yeah. They're gone now. Tina. Tina.
0: Good morning, Tina. Thank you for sending those pictures of, you, of your father. All right, now I got to take a break now. The truth was Sherwin Hughes. We'll
2: be right back. The Truth with Sherwin Hughes returns after this on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. More of The Truth with Sherwin Hughes is next on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com.
0: We got a very special guest on line one. Good morning, Tina. How are you?
1: I'm good. How are you?
0: (laughs) Well, you certainly don't sound like your father. (laughs)
1: Well, he is my father.
0: (laughs) Well, thank you for sending the pictures. He was telling us about those pictures yesterday, but he just refuses to learn how to send text messages. So thank you for sending Uh, those photos of a, a younger, more virile Bob.
1: There you go. There you go. That's the truth.
0: Is he a nice guy?
1: There's you can no you can in. tell us. Yeah, he's nice. Okay. Yeah, he's he's a nice guy. He you know he he definitely can be a good friend to you. You know, and he definitely tries to tell the truth all the time. That's why he was drawn to your radio station. Oh, that's very thoughtful. Because he wants to. Yeah, yeah. But he always. He, he does tries admire to... your
0: work. Oh, that's good to know. But he's always trying to checkmate me, yeah. Tina. You're always trying to put Sherwin in a corner. You're always trying to one-up me. I think that's because the man has a competitive but
1: spirit. He does. So don't take it personal. Sometimes you do take it personal. So you can't wear your emotions on your sleeve all the time.
0: I have threatened threaten to fight your father. Along with them. I- I've threatened to fight your well, father. I've heard.
1: Okay. Well, I'm sorry for that, Tina. I've heard. That's what I'm saying. You got you to gotta just let it roll and just kind of roll with them.
0: Well, thank you for the mm-hmm,
1: pictures put your dukes up,
0: And thank you for you're calling. Welcome. We appreciate it very much.
1: Yes. You're welcome anytime. Thank yeah. you. Have Thanks a good for weekend. having him. Of course. <laughs> you too, bye. All right, bye bye.
0: I'll still fight Bob. He can bring his daughter too. I'm just saying Don't wear my emotions on my sleeve. Look, here's my sleeve. It's all my emotions. I do wear my emotions on my sleeve. I ain't that way. I don't know what I heard yesterday, Benjamin, but you was watching something and you was crying. You had a bucket where you had to move the bucket over each eye because you was crying so much. You had to catch the tears in the bucket. What? Ain't nothing wrong with being a human being, being emotional. There's nothing wrong with that. Women think they have the monopoly on being emotional. I get very emotional, too. A lot of times men were very limited in how we can express our emotion. And so it comes out as anger. And that anger sometimes builds to a rage. I just wish that men could be okay with being human beings because we allow women to do it all the time. And we're both human beings. And if y'all say that the genders and the sectors are equal, then we should be able to show emotion as well. In fact, women have that that, uh, luxury because they can even blame their time of the month of why they can be emotional. A man can't do that. We don't get to blame some hormonal imbalances as to why we feel the way that we do. We got to get over a bunch of stuff. And I think that as a race of people, which I don't even like using race because, you know, it's a social construct, but so much is based on it that we still have to deal with it and work with the framework of race. I wish we didn't have to do that, but we do. I think that we are very, we're a mature group of people because we know how a society can build itself off of your back and give you nothing in return. We have a level of maturity. And I think that a lot of folks admire that about us because they know what our situation is. They they know where the bad neighborhood is. They know that the schools in our neighborhoods are in disrepair. That's why they don't want to live near us because they know how bad it is. And they wonder like, wow, how do people even survive over in those neighborhoods? So there's a level of respect that they give us whether they admit it or not because they couldn't do a lot of what they see black folks doing every single day. And even if you're black and successful, I think that's a double edged sword as well, because the things you have to deal with as you climb that ladder, you are now rubbing elbows with people who have had probably even less black exposure, less exposure to black culture. They know very little about black people and the higher up you go in the stratosphere of the corporate world or the business world, the less at home you will feel with the personalities, because chances are, if you get to the stratosphere of your career It's not going to be very diverse. That's why we still celebrate African-American first, because we know all you got to deal with. You got to let so many things just roll off your shoulder. You can't show emotion, right? You can't be angry. You can't be upset when somebody uses a racial microaggression. And that's a part of it. And I think what that does is it instills a sense of stoic maturity in us. You just got to stay the course. You got to put up with the abuse. I don't like that either. Ladies and gentlemen, there should be nothing ingrained in black culture where you have to just put up with the abuse of ignorant, racist bigots, whether it's in the corporate ladder, even in your personal relationships. We determine someone's strength by how much abuse they can put up with and still keep going. We got to stop that, too. It's a mental health crisis going on in this country. And how do I know there's a mental health crisis going on in this country?
1: Hello, Bob. I just heard from your daughter. How are you? Hello. Hello, Sherwin. Uh, you know, uh, during January, I'm trying to stay with your topic. Now. During January 6th, were there any black people in that you know, when they ran to the yes. Capitol? Yes. There were? Oh, yeah. Tons. We, okay, well, we have to understand our military keeps us from getting killed or hurt by disagreeing one way or another. That's why we got Clarence Thomas, you know. And unlike uh, Putin, who killed that guy, and you know, unlike Trump, who loves Kim Jong Un, you know what I mean? You know, and, and our army makes sure that we can believe and be L P Q do. LPQ, whatever, whatever, and, and not get stoned to them. You know, that, that, that's, that's a real, that's, that's, that's real nice. And, uh, how do we get ahead? Well, man, I'm with you. I don't know either for the most part.
0: Well, I want to list the things that, that's still lacking, In the black community, things that we are still fighting to achieve, and where we have the biggest disparities between us and other folks, like where we're still behind, where we're still lagging. So, I want to name at some point during this show what I believe those things are, and then what we can do collectively to achieve what we are lacking. And sometimes, Bob, what we're lacking is just common sense.
1: Emma, uh, you 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 brought up when you brought this up. Number one, thirteen percent. And we're mayors, governors in Congress, in Senate. That's a huge, large part. But I heard, I don't know if it's true or not. I heard Abraham Lincoln had immigrants. He wouldn't have won the war without immigrants. I don't know if that's true or not, but I heard it on TV. You know, and that's interesting. Maybe. You know, Chinese was here building the railroads. Maybe. And the North had a, um,
0: we had a complicated network of railroads, which allowed us to transport not just troops, but food and weapons, which really helped us defeat the South. Even to this day, the railroad networks in the South are few and far between. So maybe, maybe the Chinese helped us and the Chinese came over here to help us build railroads. And the whole time they were plotting on opening restaurants.
1: Interesting, yeah, you know plotting. that's another reason there that's another reason why we shouldn't hate immigrants, man. You know, slaughterhouses picked the fruit during COVID nineteen and we wouldn't ate fruit and ate meat if they were not in the slaughterhouses and in, and picking fruit. Risking their lives during COVID nineteen, my goodness! And all I hear, build a wall, build a wall, and where they, they going to go? I mean, come, it's just these. I, I I don't understand why blacks just dislike. And then you brought up another point, and then I'm gonna let you go about Obama didn't like LPD people. You were right about that. Biden did transform him into which was a good thing, you know, we don't stone him and we don't hurt him and we don't and that's right to do. That's why we got this on Because you know, we could feel like Trump, feel like Clarence Thomas and not get stoned. Not Russia. They killed that man in jail. You know, it's and uh you you other than that. You take it easy, and, okay. and then that, that 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 playing is a C. Now my daughter says it's an A, but my landlord confirmed it. He played. Now when I played seventeen years ago, the summer before I had a stroke, I Luther Vandross house without house without a home. I jam. That's when I can play. See, no, I'm just doing background music, you know. I, that, that, I was okay. I'm a C minus, minus, minus. But, you know, <laughs> you take care, sir. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Bob, for the right. All right.
0: Okay. Don't ask Bob to describe the LGBTQ community. Don't do that now. Bob said, you know, the the 9385B13 community. He just threw in numbers. It's just all sorts of stuff. That's why we love Bob. Does he know that what his daughter sent us, there's no music? I think he thought we were getting sent a video. It was just a picture of him.
1: Oh, I have the video.
0: What?
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm seeing him play.
0: It looks great. Does it have audio? Yeah. Obviously. He sounds great. Why don't we play it coming back? Okay. Does it, it sounds, I'm hoping, different than when he comes in studio and plays? Oh, it doesn't sound different, huh? So he, It
1: sounds really good. He, I think he sounds good when he comes and plays too sometimes.
0: We'll be the judge of that. We'll play it on the other side. You are listening to The Truth with Sherwin Hughes on 1017 FM. I'll be right back.
2: Don't touch that dial. The Truth with Sherwin Hughes will be right back on 1017 The Truth, the Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. This is The Truth with Sherwin Hughes on 1017 The Truth, the Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com.
0: The first thing that I think that we are lacking. So I'm looking at ways in which we still can make progress as black people because when we had nothing, when we couldn't rent, when we couldn't buy houses, when there were barriers to us voting, like it was really easy to accomplish those goals because it was very obvious that this society was hurting us and hindering us, meaning there's no laws to protect us. Right. So once we got a whole bunch of civil rights legislation passed and like the first civil rights legislation was like in the 1860s, Eisenhower actually passed a civil rights bill in 1950s. There's been actually a few. So when it was painfully obvious that we were second class citizens, then accomplishing those goals to get us to at least appear on paper to be first class citizens like that was that was easy. But now since we have those rights and we have those and this is how I know that we have the rights because now we take them for granted. Any right that you have can be taken away and allow abortion to loom large like that was just the beginning. That is not the end. But now our path seems a little more foggy. Like, what do we want now? We have the right to vote. We have the right for open housing. You know, our schools are not segregated anymore, even though they resegregated the schools. But that's a whole nother discussion. So now accomplishing goals is it's almost like it's more individual. It's what an individual person wants to do. Where generations ago we had to work as a unified collective community because all black people were impacted by the lack of federal legislation protecting who we are and denying us constitutional rights. So now we can have the individual that can pursue their own goals and dreams, but you can't forget about the collective. I think the number one thing that we are lacking, and this is meted out by statistics is home ownership. We don't have assets. We have a disproportionately low home ownership rate. I can look at nationwide, but I would rather look at Milwaukee somewhere between 25 and 28 percent of African-Americans who live in this city are homeowners. And if you look at other groups that are better off than us, they own their homes and they have equity and they have assets. Some of them own many homes. Some of them have purchased a home, maybe paid off a mortgage, taken those Assets and that equity, and bought another home or started a business or put their children through college, which then gives the younger generation, their younger generation, an advantage and a bit of a head start. So, I think if I have to look at one thing that looms large, where we as black people, even black folks that have money, sometimes are not homeowners. There's black folks that make $200,000 a year that still rent because home ownership is not a part of their. Their cultural upbringing, if there wasn't in their developmental environment, they didn't see a lot of folks that own homes and they'll they'll sell you on why they never want to be a homeowner. So that's the impact of not having a bunch of homeowners in your developmental environment. You grow up to not be a homeowner. You may have a lot of money income wise, but if you don't have assets, you will realize that your income might be gone or might be reduced, especially in retirement if you don't have that asset. You're in financial trouble. So, not having that asset of owning a home means that we have very little generational wealth, meaning those African Americans who are coming up behind us, our youth generation, they're starting off essentially with nothing. And I think this acts to keep us behind. You can tell the difference, can't you, between a neighborhood, not even a neighborhood, a block, a single street where there's more homeowners versus more renters. Homeowners want to protect that investment. Homeowners going to manicure the yard and plant flowers and pick up garbage, and they'll replace the siding if it's falling off. Like, they will do things to protect that investment. They also want that neighborhood to be respective of that investment. Homeowners see some riffraff on the block. Homeowners will call the police. Homeowners will chase the bad actors away because you are now in an area that is owned by people. That is the key in the future to not only their generational wealth, but their retirement. Right. So we want to increase home ownership. I think a lot of things can be traced to us not being homeowners. And when there is a, a large rental community, a lot of times those properties can be in disrepair. We have a lot of slumlords in the city of Milwaukee. Lots of them. And if the properties are in disrepair and there's not a lot of people who own the properties in said neighborhood or on that block, then people don't really care what the property looks like because they know that that house, that building, that dwelling is owned by somebody else so they can just throw garbage on the ground. And what that does is it detracts from amenities wanting to come into that neighborhood. Businesses don't want to bed down in that neighborhood. There's not a lot of you know things to do in that neighborhood. Therefore, the property values and the property taxes go lower. When you have less homeowners and more renters, especially absentee landlords that are renting those properties, the value of the overall neighborhood is depressed. Problem is we fund our schools explicitly and specifically on the value of the property in that neighborhood. So now our schools are underfunded. At some point, we're going to have a really detailed conversation about the Milwaukee public school system, but not me just not liking the output of the school system. It's what they do with money, what they do with limited money that is based off of diminished property tax values in neighborhoods where children need education the most. Typically I am for funding and investing in education. But I want that money to come from somewhere else because an educated community helps the whole nation. The federal government needs to chip in more. The state of Wisconsin needs to chip in more. We should not be stretching thin taxpayers in the city of Milwaukee when we barely have any pennies for ourselves. The truth was sure when Hughes will be back for hour two.